Hey there, this is Zach from Cornerstone Assembly in Truro, Nova Scotia. Thanks for checking out this message. If you're looking for more information about our church, check us out online at truerochurch.ca. Now to the message. Do you ever get the feeling? Do you ever get the feeling that you're missing out on something? Do you ever get the feeling that there's, you're missing out on something in life, that there's, there's more happening, like that, that there's more to your existence than you're currently experiencing? you ever get that feeling? Get that, I mean, you used to call it in, 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 uh, in t- circles now, some circles say, like FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. <laughs> you know, this, this fear of, of missing out, that, you know, someplace among the hustle and, and the bustle of, of everything we're doing, there's, there's more to our existence than simply being busy. Uh, in 2017, we actually had the privilege of moving from Edmonton to Truro to be here with you guys. And it's been awesome. I love it. This is a great church. This is a fantastic place to be. And now we're having a family here and starting our lives here. Because I believe God is doing something here in Truro. But in Edmonton, Edmonton's a very big city. How many people have ever been to Edmonton? Just by a show of hands. I'm just curious. Yeah? Okay. About half of us? All right. Great. That's good. Yeah. So you guys know what I'm talking about then. If not if Edmonton, just picture Halifax. Time's about two. Like, it's pretty big. Good space. And, you know, Edmonton is a very major urban center. But I began to be frustrated with something as I was in Edmonton. In every conversation, in everyone I talked to, in every moment I'd have a conversation with somebody, no matter what I'd say, no matter what they'd be doing, when I'd ask them, how are you doing, they would always say the same thing. Does anybody know what the answer is? No, not quite. Oh, good. There we go. I hear it over here. Oh, good. Just busy. How you been? Oh, good. Just busy. What you been up to? Oh, not much. Just keeping busy. Where you been? Oh, you know, just being busy. No matter where I was, no matter who I talked to, no matter what age, no matter what race, no matter what demographic, whether they were teenagers or seniors, middle-aged, with kids, empty nesters, it didn't matter. Everyone was busy. Busy with work, busy with school, busy with kids, busy with sports games, extracurricular, family, friends, finances, chores. Everyone, everywhere, always was busy. And I know that was absolutes right there. But this is how real it felt. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So when I was decided we were moving to Nova Scotia, we said, okay, we're moving to Truro, I was really excited about the possibility of slowing down. You know, I'm moving to Truro, Nova Scotia. I'm moving to a small town. I'm moving from big city to small town. And I was confident things would be different. I was confident things would be slower. I was, I was confident that the busyness I was so accustomed to would not have found its way into a smaller urban center. But I was disappointed to discover that busyness had found its way here too, even to Truro, Nova Scotia. Because what I've realized is that this is not a cultural problem. This is not a regional problem. This is a human heart problem. A, a discontentment with what we have, an eternal desire for more. You know, and, and for some reason, a lack of trust in God's ability to actually provide for us if we just stopped. You know, psychologists and mental health professionals are now talking about this as one of the greatest epidemics of the modern world. And they have a phrase for it, a new phrase that's been coined called hurry sickness. Hurry sickness. Let me describe to you some of the symptoms of hurry sickness. We're going to put them up on the screen here. I want you to follow along with me and just see if some of these uh, descriptors might match you a little bit. Hurry sickness. Hurry sickness. And these are some of the things that might ring true in your mind. And what I want you to do is just, just keep a mental tally. Keep a mental tally uh, on your hands or your fingers or your notes or, or wherever. And just, just see how, how you measure up. 
So here's the symptoms of hurry sickness. Number one, irritability. You get mad and frustrated or, or just annoyed way too easily. You know, just, just a little, little things irk you. People have to, to tiptoe around you because you're just uh, an ongoing low-grade negativity. Not necessarily anger, but sometimes anger. You know, if you were to diagnose yourself, you just look at the way you treat your colleague, your, your spouse, your, your kids, your neighbor, especially when you haven't had your cup of coffee. Uh, number two, hypersensitivity. Uh, all it takes is a minor comment just to set you off and to ruin your day. Just like that. And it just sets your rhythm off. It's an email, a text message, someone's tone, and your whole day is down the drain. Maybe number three, restlessness. When you actually do take a day off to slow down and to rest, you can't relax. You just, you just feel this, this day off. It just feels like a, a burden to you. you. You take the day off, but you hate it. You go to read scripture, and you find it boring. You, you can't stop checking Facebook and Instagram and TikTok every couple minutes because you might have missed something. The most recent update that some, from one of your friends that may have put down there. Uh, maybe number four you see is a workaholism. You know, you just don't know how to stop. Or worse, you can't stop. Another hour, another day, another week, your drug of choice is accomplishment. Accomplishing more, doing more, being more. All your family ever sees of you is the grouchy, overtired you, and it's not pretty. <laughs> Number five, maybe it's emotional numbness. You just don't have capacity to feel pain for somebody else, let alone your own pain for that matter. Empathy is a rare feeling for you. You just don't have time for it. Number six, maybe you got out of order priorities. You just feel disconnected from your identity and from your calling. You don't really know what really matters most and what you should be focusing your time on. Number seven, lack of care for your body. You don't have time for the basics like, you know, sleep, exercise, home-cooked meals, minimal stimulants, rest. You live off the horsemen of the apocalypse of the modern age, caffeine, sugar, and processed carbs. Number eight, escapist behaviors. You find yourself wasting hours, if not days, each week on Netflix, social media, surfing the web, maybe even looking at porn. Maybe you name your car narcotic of choice and you find yourself just stuck in this negative feedback loop that just comes back in on itself again and again of socially acceptable addictions. Number nine, you find yourself slipping with your spiritual disciplines. If you're anything like me, when you get busy, you get overtired, the first things to go are the things you should actually be going to. Instead of the things that would refill your soul, we instead run things to the cheap counterfeits that just give us a fast food hit. And number 10, and probably the most detrimental of all of these, is isolation. You feel disconnected from God. You feel disconnected from others. You feel disconnected from your own soul. So how are you doing this morning? Real pick-me-up to start the message, eh? <laughs> how many did you check off on the list? Five? Six? Maybe eight? Start to notice these in, in, your, in your life here a little bit? Some of these things, how much, how much hurry sickness do you see in your own life? I, I tender to guess you probably see more of this in yourself than you're even willing to admit. Because as a result of this, our souls are starving. All of us have this, man. All of us are just, we've got hurry sickness that saturates our lives and saturates our souls. And we're just, we're starving for more. Starving for relationship. Starving for, for meaning. Starving for something real, more than what we're experiencing. And this is the exact need that Jesus comes to meet. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 10. Let me throw that up on the screen. John chapter 10, verse 10, he says this, I have come that they may have life. And they may what? Can you do that again? That they may have life. And they may what? Have it to the full. I like the way the New Living Translation says it. He says, my purpose is to give them a rich 
and satisfying life. Man, God's desire for your life is that you would experience love, joy, peace rising in your heart and saturating your situations, no matter where you might find yourself. A life filled with meaningful relationships. A life filled with, with a deep, unrelenting joy. A life that just is overflows with a peace that just is a bedrock of your soul that is unshakable. But if Jesus said that this is the life that I want my people to experience, why is this that so many of us are failing to experience this kind of life? I picked up this book uh, this last week, or well, a couple weeks ago now, uh, on recommendation from a friend and then from Alandra. We actually had bought this together online. And, and if you know me, uh, if you know anything about me, I don't enjoy reading. I really don't. <laughs> not my strength, not my uh, strong suit. But this one, this one really captured my attention. It's called uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And you saw at the beginning there, that opening video, with John Mark Comer uh, from Portland, Oregon. He wrote this, this book. And from the very first chapter, he caught my attention. Because a lot of what you're hearing this morning is, is going to be influenced and kind of coming from this. But uh, he, he, he posits a reason why so many of us are failing to experience this kind of life. I just want to read it to you this morning from page 20. He talks about it like this. He says, page 20. The devil, in our modern day, is less likely to show up like we picture him. Satan doesn't show up as a demon with a pitchfork and a gravely smokier voice as Will Ferrell on electric guitar and fire on Saturday Saturday Night Live. He's far more intelligent than we give him credit for. Today, you're far more likely to run into the devil in the form of an alert on your phone while you're reading your Bible or a multi-day Netflix binge or a full-on dopamine addiction to Instagram or a Saturday morning at the office or another soccer game or a Sunday or another commitment after commitment after commitment in a life of full speed. I love what Corey Ten Boom says. I'm put this up on the screen here. It says, Corey Ten Boom once said, if the devil can't make you busy, can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Because both sin and busyness have the exact same effect. They cut off your connection to God, to other people, and even to your own soul. So what do we do with that? How are we supposed to regain access to these things that God has designed for us to live in? How do we live in such a way that allows life and joy and peace of Jesus to actually become our own? What I want to do this morning is is actually look at the way of Jesus. And not just look at what he said, but actually the way he lived. Because, you see, being a disciple of Jesus, being a Christian, is so much more than just subscribing to a set of ideas and beliefs about who God is. Rather, it's about modeling our lives about Jesus. It's about walking in his footsteps, or, as the Bible says, taking up his yoke. Now, that's a foreign term for many of us. That's a foreign term for lots of us. What's a yoke? <laughs> Anybody know what a yoke is? You know, it's not something we see very much in our modern age. Now, a yoke, was in, in this agriculture culture, it was this, this piece of wood that you put over top of animals' shoulders. But what he's actually talking about is, in Jewish customs, a yoke was a teacher's way of living. It was a particular teacher's customs. It was a teacher's practices. It was their, their ways of living that defined and shaped their life. So to take on someone's yoke meant to take on their way of living, to, to walk like they do, to become their disciple. Or, if we want to use more modern language, to become their apprentice. Apprentice. Like a tradesman apprentices under a red seal. That's what this is. They, they learn the ways of the practice. They, they learn safety. They learn what to do and what not to do in order to have a successful life and career. That's what it means to be an apprentice. 
That's what it means to take up the yoke, to become an apprentice of Jesus Christ. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, walk with Jesus, do what Jesus would do if you were him, walk in this way. And in doing so, you recover part of your soul. You recover that warped part of you that is, needs to be put back into shape. And you experience just the deepest healing in your inner being. You experience what Jesus called life to the full. That rich and meaningful life that all of us desire. Jesus is inviting you and I into it. And everywhere Jesus went, he was giving this invitation into this rich and meaningful life to, to take up his yoke. But it didn't sound like what we might think it sound. What it sounded like was, come, follow me. Come, be my apprentice. And everywhere Jesus went, this was an invitation he gave. You can read it multiple times throughout the Gospels, but I want to focus in on one particular one this morning. If you have your Bibles on your phones or in person, I want to encourage you to open them up right now. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 this morning. And as always, we'll have this up on the screen for us here today. But I really want to encourage you, if you have a hard copy, if you have it in your Bible, open it up today, because you're really going to want to see this one. This is one that I've bookmarked, I've underlined, I've circled, and I come back to time and time and time again, because it's an invitation from Jesus to you and to me to experience the life that he's always called us to. So Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus is standing in this crowd. He's in this, this busy crowd, and they've flocked to him because of the miracles he's been performing and the teachings he's been giving. And like so many of us, here's Jesus. He's just absolutely surrounded by busyness. He's surrounded by hurry. He's surrounded by people weighed down by religion, weighed down by rules, tired from the weight of trying to be good enough on their own. It's to this crowd that Jesus says this. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Anybody weary here this morning? Anybody tired this morning? I didn't sleep great last night. It happens for all of us. Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Now, let's... Let's read this again. Slower this time. Take a deep breath, real quick. Deep breath, everybody. God has something for you in this moment. Don't rush through this. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Now, let's read uh, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the same verses one more time in the message paraphrase. I love this. One more time. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. 
I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. How good is that, eh? How good is that? Listen, this, this is an invitation this morning for all the tired, all the burnt out, all the stressed out, all the worn out men and women who feel they're at the end of their rope. This is an invitation for tired moms, for weary dads, for stressed out students. This is an invitation for all of us reaching for another cup of coffee just to get through our busy day. Anybody here like that this morning? Let me rephrase that. Anybody here not like that this morning? Jesus' invitation to you is to say, come, I want you just to to take up my yoke, to to travel at my side, learn how to shoulder the weight of life with ease as his apprentice, to, to step out of the busyness and the burnout of society and to step into his rest, soul rest, that deepest part of you that's weary. He says, come, follow me, and you'll find rest for your souls. Now, this sounds great. Let me just call out the elephant in the room for a moment. There are many of us here today that we're followers of Jesus. We've been followers of Jesus for years. But honestly, man, I'm tired. Man, I'm I'm worn out. And honestly, I'm looking at that paraphrase from Eugene Peterson, I, I am a little burned out on religion. I mean, that's kind of an occupational hazard, being a pastor, <laughs> to get burned out on religion. It's kind of my deal. What what gives? Am I missing something? You ever felt that way? You ever felt like, hey, man, you know, I see this passage from Jesus, but at the same time, I just, I don't feel it's a real reality in my life. What, what's the deal? As a follower of Jesus and a pastor of that, I struggle with this too. And you, you know, still, there's moments in my life where I look at my life and I feel no less stressed, no less burnt out than my neighbor down the street who has no interest in God. As a matter of fact, he probably is more rested than me because he sleeps in on Sundays. You know? Like, that's the thing. <laughs> so what's the deal with that? What am I supposed to do with that? I like the way that uh, Dallas Willard describes this tension, this, this tension, this feeling of unease that we're experiencing. In writing on this invitation from Jesus, Dallard, Dallas Willard describes something called the secret of the easy yoke. The secret of the easy yoke, which is the title of the message this morning. And he says this. Listen to what he says. He says, In this truth lies the secret of the easy yoke. The secret involves this, living as Jesus lived in the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle. Our mistake is to think that following Jesus in loving our enemies, in in going the extra mile, in, in turning the other cheek, in suffering patiently and hopefully, while living our lives as the rest of everybody else does around us, is a strategy bound to fail. Or in other words, if we just want to simplify this secret, let me explain it to you like this. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. More than just a set of beliefs. More than just attending church on Sunday. This life, this joy, this peace of Jesus only comes when we actually live and walk in his way. And when this first clicked for me, man, it changed everything. Now, growing up, I used to play a lot of video games, uh, and I used to play quite a bit, actually. It was what I did in my evenings and afternoons and free times as I was a kid and as a teenager, and I began to watch this, this subset of categories on YouTube called pro gamers. Anybody ever heard of pro gamers? It's like 
pro sports. Like it is, I'm serious, it is getting so big now, they are selling out stadiums in Korea and in the States with hundreds of thousands of people crammed into and watching these things online to watch people play video games. Like, it's phenomenal. It's nuts. Anyone with a teenager in their house, you know what I'm talking about. Like, these things are mad. They're massive, massive pro games. And so I would watch these, these games online, you watch these gamers, and they're just unbelievably good. Like, they would just destroy every single person they encountered. And to beat it, they, they, they get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for sports contracts to just play video games all day long. I was just, I couldn't believe it. And so, I, man, as a teenager, I would, I would dream about that lifestyle. Man, I'd dream about that. Can you imagine just getting paid to play games all day? Like, what a job. What a career. My gosh, hundreds of thousands of fans just screaming your name. Sack, sack, sack. You know, because you're just so good at, you know, I don't know, Fortnite or whatever, you know? Like, it's just nuts. These people playing. And so I started watching these, these behind-the-scenes videos, all these different behind-the-scenes videos of people in, in these gamers' lives and then how they begin to get so good and how they begin to get in these games. But what I started to realize is these guys, they would just sit in dark basements for like 8, 10, 12 hours a day sometimes, just, just playing these games and begin to realize that they've, got, they've got no friends, they don't go outside, they don't develop meaningful relationships with others, Man, they're lonely, they suffer from depression, they suffer from anxiety, and they never experience true joy because they're never good enough. There's always somebody better out there to beat them. There's always somebody who's a little bit smarter, who's a little bit faster. In our world, this might be someone who's a little bit more attractive than me, someone who's a little bit more outgoing than me, someone who's a little bit skinnier and stronger and better and faster and works harder than me. I'll never be good enough on my own. And I learned more and more about these pro gamers as I saw their fame and fortune, the skill and expertise, I began to realize something. I want those results but I'm not willing to adopt that lifestyle, right? I want that life of people screaming your name in the lights, fame and fortune, hundreds of thousands of dollars, but I'm not willing to adopt that lifestyle. And I think that's how many of us feel about Jesus sometimes. You see, we read the stories about Jesus. We read the lifestyle of Jesus. Man, we see his just joy. We see his just resolute peace through uncertainty, his unanxious, unhurried presence, his relaxed manner, know how in the moment he was. And we think, man, I want that. I, 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 man, I need that. Man, we reread these stories, and he says, man, take up the easy yoke. Come to me and find deep soul rest. And I think, yes, my soul aches for that because I'm so tired but we're not willing to adopt the lifestyle. And then we wonder why we struggle with constant low-grade anxiety. We wonder why we never feel at ease even when we're resting. We begin to wonder why there's such a deep discontentment within our souls, no matter how hard we work, how busy we are, how much we accomplish, make or earn. We go to church, or we read a book, or we listen to a podcast, and then we catch a glimpse of the life Jesus was talking about in somebody else. We catch a glimpse of it in somebody else's life, and you say, man, that is amazing. And we head home from church with all the willpower we can muster to go and make a change on our own, to see something happen. But then we go right back into the exact same lifestyle of busyness and burnout, 
and nothing changes. And we just go right back into this cycle of inspiration, application, failure, followed by discouragement until you can get back to church next Sunday to experience your next spiritual high. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Man, this is too real in my life. Some people forget. I wasn't always a pastor. I was just a regular teenager and a regular student. This was my life, man. Going to church every single week. I, you might see different people. I had their addictions. My addiction was church. I was in church five days a week. As a teenager growing up, as a young adult, Landra can testify. She came when she started dating me. She immediately walked into our church and said, this is weird. Why are you here so much? Do you know why it was for me? Because I was looking for that next spiritual high, looking for that next spiritual hit, because I was seeing it lived out in somebody else's life, but I hadn't actually made it my own. It wasn't real. It's the same thing. We're not experiencing the life of Jesus that he actually invites us into because we're not actually walking in his way. But what if you did? What if you actually did adopt his way of living? Not just his ideas, not just his thoughts and beliefs about who God is, but actually took up his yoke. You know, that, that imagery of a yoke is a very interesting one. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an implement of work when you think about it. it it's a farming animal's wooden piece of burden that you use to plow a field. You put it over their shoulders and they, they plow fields. And so you think of all the invitations that Jesus could give to tired and burnt out people, a yoke is probably the least attractive. Like, man, I need a vacation or a mattress, not a yoke, right? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Seriously. But Jesus, Jesus invites us into something because he understands something that so many of us miss. He understands something that so many of us miss about this. And what Jesus understands is that the most restful gift he can give to tired and to burnt out people is a new way to carry life and a fresh way to bear those responsibilities. Because here's the truth you need to understand this morning. Man, if we're being realistic, if we're being honest with ourselves, life is simply a series of successive burdens, right? You cannot be rid of your responsibilities. You have to eat. You have to work to eat. You have to care for your kids. You have to you have make your food. You have responsibilities and burdens and things that are a normal part of life. And these things will always be with you, no matter what. So instead of offering us an escape from our responsibilities, Jesus offers us something far better. Equipment. Jesus offers us a way of living and being that will actually allow us to develop a way of carrying life that gives us more rest than the way that we have been living. Do you see the brilliance of Jesus' invitation? Because, man, there's a very real weight upon us and upon our culture we can't escape, right? I mean, why do you think there's so much addiction in our society? Why do you think there's so much addiction and, and burnout amongst people just staying busy? Why do you think there is so much distraction? Man, I've got a computer in my pocket right now. I could spend the next 24 hours nonstop watching everything I wanted on that thing and would never come to the end of it. Never would I find contentment within my soul or actual deep rest within my heart. I've never known anyone after an eight-hour Netflix binge that comes out saying, wow, I feel so rejuvenated and rested. Man, I feel so happy and at peace. Man, I feel more loving and patient and kind and generous. Man, I just feel the love of God just flowing up in my life. Why do you think there's so much addiction? Why do you think there's so much marital breakdown? Why do you think there's just a culture so designed to distract us into oblivion? Because there's no escaping the weight of this burden. That's why Jesus 
doesn't offer us escape. He offers us something far better, equipment. He offers us his apprenticeship at his side. He says, here's a whole new way of living. Here, you can't get away from this, but, so let me carry it with you. Let me, let me, let me walk with you. And if you. If you will walk with me, I will carry the weight with you and, and for you. Man, like two oxen in a field walking side by side with Jesus doing all the heavy lifting at his pace. Slow, unhurried, present, full of love, full of joy, full of peace. Listen, an easy life is not an option, but an easy yoke is. Next week, we're going to unpack this a little bit further. And next week, we're going to get down really hands-on and really practical about what this looks like in your life. If you have a friend that you feel could really use this, man, if you feel you could use this, would you make this a priority to be in church next week? Because next week, we're going to get talking about the really nitty-gritty stuff. We're going to talk about family time. We're going to talk about finances. We're going to talk about sleep, sex, food, probably the best trilogy of things you and I can experience in life, right? But right now, I want to give you one solution. Right now, I want to give you one thing you can do this week to begin to allow yourself to experience the life of Jesus that you and I were designed to have, and we'll close with this. And it is simply this. Eremos. Eremos. Eremos is a Greek word meaning quiet, lonely, or desolate place. It's a place away from the noise. It's a place away from the busyness. It's a place away from all the things that kill your joy and steal your peace. And it's a place where Jesus ran to more often than any place else when he got stressed or when he got tired. Look at it. Next time you're reading through the Gospels, just notice, just begin to observe how many times you see Jesus go to places that are lonely, go to places that are desolate, go to places by himself to retreat from the crowds. In all the gospel accounts, man, you can read Jesus' jam-packed schedule. We're talking about hurry this morning, We're talking about busyness this morning. If there was anybody that was busy, it was Jesus. I mean, think about it. You think you're busy. Try feeding 10,000 people with a little bit of fish and bread. Huh? <laughs> See if we can make that happen. By every account, Jesus should have been suffering the exact same effects of hurry sickness that we started with this morning. But for some reason, he doesn't. Why? I want to show you why. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. Get your Bibles, turn there. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. We see again this other story of Jesus just in the crowds and in the busyness. And verse 15, it says, Yet the news about him spread all the more. So these crowds, they begin to hurry at the beginning of every day. They're just running to find Jesus so that crowds of people begin to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. So like good things are happening. Good things are happening. In other words, he's just surrounded and saturated by busyness all the time. And in the midst of the crowds, in the midst of the hurry, at the beginning of every day, we find the secret of the easy yoke. And it's this. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In other words, the busier life got, the more Jesus got away. Listen, the busyness in your life, in mine, it drowns out the voice of God in our life. It threatens to sap your strength, to steal your joy, to kill your peace. And Jesus knew this about the crowds. 
He knew this about busyness. He knew that hurry is the great enemy of the soul. So Jesus goes to the Eremos, to the lonely place, to the quiet place, to the desolate place away from other people to rest, to restore his soul, to find strength. In my life, I've had several Eremoses in different seasons, in different places, several quiet places in my life. Uh, at Vanguard College, is my fourth year, well, my, my Bible college, all throughout my time there, I, I had this place in my school. It was upstairs on the fourth floor. There was a prayer room, just designated for prayer room. It's very sad that it actually was not used very much by many students. Only the few that used it, it's funny, actually, I think about it now. The students that used the prayer room most are the ones that are still in ministry today. The ones that didn't aren't in ministry today. It's interesting that I think about that now. And yet, I found myself in this place often. In, in moments where I was most stressed, most overwhelmed, when I, when I had the most work to do, those were the exact moments that I began to realize my soul was crying out for the presence of the living God. I remember I would come and I would sit on the floor in silence, just in that place, in that space, just, just getting away from it getting away from the stress, I would sit in this, this space that was on the fourth floor and would overlook the city of Edmonton and face south. And so at certain times of the day, the sun would shine in through the windows. And I would sit on the floor, just cross-legged, and the sunbeams would shine through, and I'd sit in the warm sun and just listen and talk to Jesus. Just begin to tell him my heart. Begin to tell him my worries. Begin to tell him my my stress. Because, man, I was stressed. I got 10 assignments to do, papers to write, people to take care of. In fourth year, was newly married, had a part-time job, student council president, and in college. How do you even manage that? 60 hours a week, no days off. And just sitting in God's presence and talking to him, though, begin to hear his voice and begin to feel my soul again. I think sometimes we run ourselves so ragged, we forget we have a soul. We forget there's a deepest part of us that actually needs nourishment and needs to get away and needs to rest. In those places of quiet, I would sit sometimes for so long that the, the earth would move and the sun would move, and I'd need to shuffle over a little bit to get back into the sunbeam <laughs> because the sun had moved out of its place. I'd just unload my weight on Jesus. And I'd let him carry it with me. Man, so many of us are bearing the yoke alone. You're bearing a two-person weight by yourself. And you wonder why you're so tired and so stressed out. You wonder why your soul feels constantly exhausted. If we'd only stop and give the weight to Jesus, he'd happily carry it with us. But it means walking at his pace. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've burned the yoke on my own, carrying it by myself. And it happens when we're busy. We're running so fast and so far that we find ourselves way ahead of Jesus on our own. And then we get to the end of the row and we realize we're exhausted and this thing is heavy. And Jesus is way back there and we've left him in the dust. But he says, man, if you would come back with me, come back to the Aramos, come back to that quiet place, that lonely place, that still place, walk with me slowly at my pace. Man, I'll carry it with you. I'll carry the weight so it doesn't need to be so heavy. Walk at my pace because, man, love is never in a hurry. 
Peace is not found on the run. And joy arises from solitude and stillness with the Lord. Hey, where's your, where's your Aramos? Where, where's your Aramos? Where's your lonely place, your quiet place? Do you even have one? Do you have a space? Do you have a place where you can get away from the busyness of life? Do you can just stop and be alone for a few moments with your thoughts, with your soul, and with the presence of God who is crying out to be alone with you? Who's so eager to reveal himself to you? Do you have an Eremos in your life? A time and space for him to restore you and carry you. I believe he's calling us to that this morning. Because when we walk in Jesus' way and we live our life like his, man, we can bear the weight of the week far better than we ever could on our own. I want to share with you as we conclude this morning uh, how this is actually made real for me this week. God actually made this very real for me this week. You, you, guys, you guys know this, that I, I prepare my messages quite a, a long time in advance. I, I'm, I've, as I'm in prayer, as I'm in fasting, as I'm talking to Jesus, he just begins to, to show me, here's what you need to talk about in, in January and February and, and so on, months in advance. And so I begin to mark things down on the calendar and he begins to talk to me about them. But the funny thing is, he always tells them to me in such a way that they become very real to me like the week of or the week before. Like, he knows six months in advance what I'm going to deal with and struggle with that week and how he's going to use it to actually bring something good out of it. Paul says that these chains are actually for the benefit of the gospel. They've served to advance the cause of Christ because these chains that Paul finds himself in are actually helping to people to know that Jesus is working in and through my life. And so this week, I, I found myself experiencing the Aramos in a very real way. Now, I believe in the principle of tithing. Alandra and I are, are consistent tithers. We give 10% of our finances to God, to the church, because we believe that when we give God our first and best, we can trust him with the rest. I believe that principle with all my heart. But I also believe the principle of tithing applies to more than just my money. Because when I tithe my time, the whole rest of my day gets better. Here's what I mean by that. This week, this was very true for me. So Janetta and I, we went to a mental health workshop on Monday and Tuesday this week. We actually, it was a fantastic thing. It was a young pastor's retreat. It was a Monday and Tuesday. We were in DeBert. Uh, Rebecca was there. It was, it was fantastic. We had a really good time just, just learning and growing about mental health and how to have conversations about the really difficult things that we face in life. Suicide, anxiety, depression. If you or somebody you know is struggling with these things, I would love to talk with you and encourage you and support you and connect you with people that love you and can lift you up and help you grow and find the hope and healing that God has for you in Jesus Christ. I mean that with my heart. But this week we spent some time in this class and we spent some time talking about these things. But I can tell you on Sunday afternoon, I did not want to go. <laughs> Alandra can attest to this. We went for a long walk on Sunday afternoon and I was frustrated. I was irritated. I was distracted. My heart felt heavy. My soul felt stressed because I was aware of all the things I had to do this week. And to take two days out of my schedule throws a lot of time out the window that I would normally have. And I, I was seriously considering skipping the young pastor's retreat. I was seriously considering. But then I remembered, you know, I've already paid for it, and Jeanette is going to. <laughs> Should probably go. And it'd probably be valuable. So be, be, begrudgingly I went. Begrudgingly I went. And by all accounts, it was wonderful. Seriously, I learned a lot. Really good, great things. But still, still, I still lost the first two days of my week. So I didn't even get into the office until Wednesday to actually begin doing the things I had to do. 
So for this week, I still had a message to create from scratch, a hearing God seminar to prepare for, a worship team meeting to draft, board nominations to review, annual general meeting to prepare for, and normal church administrative responsibilities on top of that. So Wednesday morning, I come into my office with two days missing from my week, and I sit down, and my mind is absolutely racing. My heart is fluttering. I'm having palpitations. I'm beginning to feel stress beyond my belief. I'm feeling anxious about everything I have to do. And the temptation is very real to just jump right into work or to jump onto Facebook and just to numb myself and escape from the busyness of it all like so many of us will do every week. But I know the way of Jesus. I know the practice of Jesus. I know his way is easy and his burden is light. Even if I don't feel like it right now, sometimes our feelings will follow our actions. And so I say, okay, God, I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to tithe with my time. God, I'm going to give you the first 10% of my day. Here's my first and best. God, I'm trusting you with the rest. And so I sit down, I close my office door, and I get alone. Eremos. I get into that quiet place. I breathe. I sit still. I pray. I read my Bible. And as I listen in prayer, as I listen in prayer, the Lord tells me this. We journal. We learn this in hearing God. He tells me this from February 26th. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart to which you have been called. Colossians 3, verse 15. I've called you to peace, Zach. Not busyness. Not hecticness. Not franticness or worry. Peace. I said, Lord, I don't feel at peace. My mind and my heart are racing. God, I want your peace. He said, be still, my son. Rest. Breathe. He took me to this song by Hillsong called Be Still. And the words of the song go, Be still, my soul. The Lord is in control. Surely love and mercy, your peace and kindness will follow me. He goes on the next little bit there. He says, Zach, I'm with you. I will help you with all your work today. Do not fear. Do not become overwhelmed. Do not be afraid or doubt. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. I will not let you fall. You have heard my voice. You have received my direction. Do not doubt it now, but walk it out, Zach in confident assurance of who you are, of who I've called you to be, and what I've called you to do. Go forth, O mighty man of valor, and take the land I've prepared for you. You will not need to fight this battle, for the Lord, your God, fights for you. I'm with you, my son. Do not fear. Walk this out. As I heard those words in my office, the peace of Christ began to flood into that space. I began to feel my soul come alive again with the love and the joy and the peace of Jesus. I began to sense his loving kindness fill my heart and life. Do you know how many hours it took me to write this message? Two. Do you know how long it normally takes me? Two days. But God wanted to show me in a way I understood and could practically see that when I give my first and best, I can trust him with the rest. And if I tithe of my time, he promises he's going to take care of the rest of my week. 
He says, Zach, I'm calling you alone. Don't bear this yoke by yourself. Let me carry it with you. Let me take you to the quiet place. Let me walk with you and teach you. My way is light. My burden is easy. Let me teach you and show you my way. And Wednesday night I came home, and Alandra and I just spent the whole night together just laughing and eating and sharing each other's company in joy and in peace and in celebration, finding rest for our souls. Matthew 11 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, for I am humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. Are you weary this morning? Are you tired this morning? Are you burnt out? of carrying the yoke alone. I believe Jesus is simply calling us to himself today. He's simply calling us to him. He's he's calling for you in this moment to experience the soul rest you've been aching for. We've got no band this afternoon to finish up. They're downstairs leading our kids, and that's fine. We We don't need it. This isn't about an emotional response to music. This is about a heart response to Jesus. Listen, he's calling you to lay down your busyness, to lay down your burdens, to lay down your soul, to find a life filled with joy and peace. He's calling you to unhurry this morning. Some of you are realizing today for the very first time the reason why you feel so empty is because you've been so busy. Man, busyness is an idol we take pride in. How you been, man? Oh, you know, just busy. And we throw our lives down at the idol of busyness when God said, I never designed you to do this. I designed you to walk with me, to experience a life full of joy and peace. And experiencing a life with Jesus this morning for some of us might mean cutting back, cutting out, and scheduling in the Aramos into your life. Scheduling in the quiet place into your life. Where's your Aramos this morning? Where's your quiet place? Others here this morning, you're you're hearing me, and you want this. You want this, but your life is just so busy, you have no idea where you'd even begin to fit it in. And that's precisely the problem. You actually are too busy to follow Jesus. And until you slow down and live the life he actually designed for you to walk and to walk in his way, you will never fully experience the deep soul rest he has designed for you to have. So in this moment, I guess we're kind of at a crossroads kind of get-on, get-off moment. Are you ready to make room for the Aramos in your life? To make room for the love and the peace of Jesus to become your default setting instead of an occasional thing you see on Sundays? Are you ready to, to walk in the way of Jesus so that his life becomes your own? God is calling you to unhurry this morning. When you came in this morning, you received a little book, a little black book in there. Uh, if you didn't get one, there's probably a couple extras outside. If you didn't get one and there's no extras outside, come see me. I want to make sure you get one before you leave today. And it simply says on the front, how to unhurry. And I want to give you this resource this week as a practical how-to guide about how to begin to cause Aramos to spring up and swell up within your life. To just to begin to make 
room and to make space. You know, last week I ended my message by saying, you know, if you want to experience the deep and meaningful relationships that God has designed for you to have, you got to be connected to the love of Christ. But then I failed to actually give you something to connect to the love of Christ. I say sometimes, so often, I say, okay, go spend time with Jesus because it'll, it'll actually help you to thrive and grow in your life, but I actually don't give you anything to do that with. So this week I said, you know what? Here's something people can do. Here's something you can take home and put into practice in your own life. So you can begin to experience this joy and this peace and this life rising within your heart and in your circumstances. And this morning, I'm just believing that God is calling some of you to that place. You know it. You feel it. You recognize the deep soul ache within you. And the pace of life you are running at is simply unsustainable. He's saying, come with me. Rest. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, we'll close with this. Isaiah says this, he says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those who what? Those who wait. Not those who hurry. Not those who rush. Not those who plan and strive and drive. But those that know what it means to sit in silence and in solitude before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and to give his strength and his power an opportunity to restore your soul and life. Run to the Aramos. 